Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast and you're about to experience Naked Beauty live with this incredible live show that I just did. I'm so, so proud of how everything went. There was such warm, positive, just family energy in the room. And I think as you all are listening to this recording, you'll be able to feel that just warm, positive energy from the Naked Beauty community. I'm so grateful to all of you for the support. It was really fun also to have Umut, my husband, introduce me on stage. I had no idea what he was going to say, but his introduction was super cute. And then I was joined by Abina from Hana Hana Beauty, Alamide from Topicals, and Giada from Ami Kale, just to talk about what it's like to be a founder today, what it's like to build these brands. There's also a part two coming where I speak with celebrity hairstylist Nikki Nelms. She just showed her Doja Cat cover that she did for Elle magazine. That's incredible. Like she just does the most incredible hair look. So I was super excited to have her on stage as well. But today you are going to hear part one of the conversation. Again, so, so inspiring. We tackle so many different important topics. You also just get to hear from some of the women in the room that came that traveled from all these places to be there for the live event. I think this really solidified for me. I need to do more cities. Maybe I take this on the road. Maybe I take this on tour. I don't know how I'm going to do it, balancing my day job with the podcast, but I will figure out a way to bring the Naked Beauty live show experience to other cities and just continue these IRL gatherings because I think they're so powerful. I love just seeing everyone after the event networking, eating, like having drinks, like just enjoying each other, introducing people to each other. Really, really positive, incredible community. And I think you all are going to really enjoy this live experience. So please sit back, relax and enjoy. Let's get into the live show. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to Naked Beauty Podcast Live. As probably some of you know, I'm Brooke's husband. The repeating character on her stories. Mavi's dad. Give it up for Mavi. My name is Umut. And today... I have the easiest job. I am to introduce the host of the Naked Beauty Podcast, Brooke Deward Özaydınlı. She doesn't need much introduction. Especially if you are here, you are one of the OGs 
of the Naked Beauty Podcast community. A community Brooke considers as one of her very best friends. There would be text messages from me unanswered, but she would be answering your DMs relentlessly. And today is especially a proud moment for me as well, because I witnessed she's starting this podcast in our living room, recording with friends, inspiring women over cocktails. Today, Naked Beauty Podcast reaches hundreds of thousands of people around the globe, interviewing some very inspiring people, some of you among us. So it's an amazing moment. Without further ado, I'd like to present you my wife, Mavi's mom, <laughs> Naked Beauty Podcast host, Brooke Dewart Özaydınlı. Hi, beautiful people. You all look so great. Everyone looks so beautiful. Okay, so are we all New Yorkers here or did anyone travel for this event? Okay, where do people travel from? Stand up. Tell us where you came from. DC, okay. DC in the building. Cambridge, thank you for coming. Nigeria, okay, okay. Thank you for being here. <laughs> where are you joining us from? Boston, okay, amazing. And yes, you, hi. Philly. Philly's in the building. Oh my gosh. Thank you all so much for being here. Now, I'm going to be brief because we have an incredible show, but I just want to talk a moment for about the Naked Beauty community because it's been seriously like an honor and pleasure to even just be part of garnering this active community. The podcast, I think it's like just under like 1.5 million downloads, which is incredible. Um but I truly think we have like the most engaged beauty audience of all time. So that's what I'm grateful for, like the engagement and the audience. You know, I wanted to create this platform to tell people's personal beauty stories and talk about beauty through the lens of culture. But I also wanted you to pick up like a skincare tip or two in the process. And that was my motivation for creating the podcast. This is my sixth year of doing Naked Beauty. Um <laughs> And even just in the past year and a half, becoming a mother, it hasn't always been easy, but I've had incredible support. You've heard from my husband at the start, and it's been super supportive. And I also have an incredible team. I just want to shout out very quickly, Elijah, my very first Naked Beauty intern. Where are you, Elijah? We've got Bridget, who is my new social lead, and Salam, my project manager, who like keeps me organized. So grateful for the team. And we also have former guests in the room. Now, these are women that have been on Naked Beauty, and Naked Beauty would be nothing without my guests. So former guests, could you please stand up? We can give you all a hand. Yes. Amazing. 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 So grateful for all of you for coming on and sharing your stories. Now, I don't know if you've all have peeked inside the gift bag yet, but... You're in for a real treat. We have goodies from Supergoop, Paula's Choice, Le Prunier. We've got our presenting sponsor, Maui Moisture, in the gift bag. Thank you to Maui Moisture so much for making this event possible. Really, all of my favorite beauty brands. I was like, if the Naked Beauty community is going to come out, the gift bag's got to be like at least five times the admissions price. Like That's like my benchmark. So I'm happy if you're happy with the gift bag. Now, Today is really about talking about beauty culture, beauty community, 
and just honestly, creative genius. Like the amazing, amazing, amazing women that you're going to hear from today are some of the best minds in beauty, period. First, we're going to start with hearing from three women behind my favorite beauty brands of all time. I mean, truly, they happen to be women that have been on the podcast. They happen to be Black women. And they have just done incredible work, both in product innovation, in advertising innovation, the way they've built their communities. They are all just like shattering glass ceilings everywhere. So you guys know these brands. They're in your gift bag as well. We have got Topicals, Hanahana Beauty, and Amikole, and all of the founders of those brands here. Now, before I welcome them to the stage, you all listen to the podcast. You know, the question I ask everyone is, when do you feel most beautiful? Would anyone like to come up and answer that question? (laughs) Okay, we've got Thelma Golden of the Studio Museum of Harlem, longtime supporter. First, can we give Brooke another hand? Is Brooke the most fabulous... I feel like I'm the president of the Brooke fan club. So I think, no, you always ask everyone that question. And I don't know if like you, when you're listening to the podcast and she asks that you think of it yourself, right? You're answering out loud. I think in this room as an example, I feel most beautiful when I see it reflected around me by other amazing, beautiful black women. That's when I feel most beautiful. Thank you. Amazing. Anyone else want to come up and answer? Hi. Hi, ladies. I'm Crystal. And I feel most beautiful after I take a shower and I put on oil. So I know you like oils, too. You love a good oil. So I love the oils. I go to bed with perfume and it's just okay. it's a vibe. You have to share which perfume. Actually, you recommended it. Tom Ford. Actually. okay. so no. So they didn't have it. So they didn't have they didn't have the cherry one. So I got Black Orchid. Okay, beautiful. So it's good. I have it on today. I have it on today if you want to smell me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Crystal. Well, let's have one more person share and then we'll begin our panel discussion. Does anyone want to share when they feel most beautiful? Yes. Please come up, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kendra. Not to be TMI, but I never heard anyone say this on the podcast. I was kind of surprised. I feel most beautiful after like a morning of just lovemaking, you know? Yeah. I love that answer. I love that answer. (laughs) Well, with that, I feel like I can get started and introduce my panelists. Abena, before you come out, I have an amazing intro for you. So we're going to hear a little bit about your background. So Abena Bawama is the founder and CEO of Hanahana Beauty, a consciously clean skincare, beauty, and wellness brand. Aben is also a former seventh grade math teacher and therapist. So people that are looking to do career pivots, there is no limit. You can truly do whatever you want to do, no matter what your background is. And I think she's a testament to that. Her work is driven by curating learning experiences focused on holistic wellness and showcasing stories of Black women globally through visual content creation. In the last five years, Abena has built Hanahana Beauty into a cult favorite brand with the mission to bring humanity to the skincare industry while creating results-driven products and empowering Black women globally by creating sustainable paths from producers to their customers, starting with creating access to living wages and healthcare for shea butter producers in Ghana, which is incredible. Abena's work has been recognized by the likes of Beyonce, okay, 
to Forbes and she is presented and partnered with brands like Harvard University, Instagram, Chase Bank, Nike, Apple, Lululemon, Glossier, and so much more. Please welcome my friend and founder of Hana Hana Beauty, Abana, to the stage. This is you in Ghana very recently. Yeah. So we just recently partnered. Oh my goodness. That was like the best day. We recently partnered with this library, Kaneshi Library, where actually one of my friends, her boyfriend started the library in this neighborhood. And so they just wanted us to come through. And so our whole thing is that how do you create access? (laughs) How do you create access to wellness in all different ways? And skincare, I think, is one of the biggest ways for people to feel comfortable in your skin. So we started with the kids and did a mass day. I love that. I love it. Now, I've I've never been to Ghana, um, but I love all of the content you share from Ghana. Lots of people are producing products with shea butter, but how many of them are on the ground with the women that are sourcing and producing the shea? How important was it for you to make sure that you were in community with the women sourcing and making your products? My background as a teacher, for me, it was all about like, if you're teaching in a certain neighborhood, you should live or be near that neighborhood, right? Like you can't really Mm -hmm. make change if you're from the outside in. you have to be able to like talk and be a part of it. And so when it came to the point of me starting Hana Hana and Shea Butter being like something as a Ghanaian, like I literally just had in my closet all the time. <laughs> like, so when I started the business, I was just like, okay, I have to make sure that I know where it's sourcing from. And so for me to do that, I have to be there. Like I have to at least learn. And if we're going to do anything in that community, I can't come in and be like, you need this, this and that when I don't live there. So I think that was like my whole approach about it. I don't think I realized it was like a big deal to go that way. (laughs) Well, and making sure that these women are getting a living wage is huge as well. That's why I feel really good buying your products because I know I'm not just like supporting you and the brand and your amazing team. I'm supporting these women in Ghana that are actually like doing the work. Yeah. I feel like all of us, the beauty industry literally feeds off of black women from the end of our dollars that we put into it, our creativity from the actual producers. We're talking about indigenous and black women that are creating these raw materials Even if you're going to pull something synthetic, like the copy of it is from nature. And like the people that are truly connected to it have been, I don't know, we all look a certain way. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I feel like if you're going to create a business in this capitalist society, all these things, you might as well be as intentional as possible, like to be able to create a brand that is all parts actually being sustainable. If I can think about it being sustainable, how can I as a brand do that? And that has to start with the producers, right? And especially because I'm Ghanaian. Like, I mean, I don't hold anyone to what they need to do. But for myself, if I know exactly where I'm from, which is a quite a privilege to be able to like go all the way back and be like, in this mountain, <laughs> like right. my family was here. Or because I many know. of us, like exactly. African Americans, yeah, we, we don't know you. Do, so I think like there's privileges that I have. So if I have these certain privileges, I should be able to execute them in certain ways. I love that. <laughs> I know being a founder isn't easy, but it also has fun moments. What has been the most enjoyable part of being a founder for you these past five years? <sighs> okay, so many. I think team. Like, I really feel like team, like team has also been some of the most stressful points too. I'm not going to lie. But I think when you can bring people together that really care about the brand in their own way, that they like prioritize themselves, 
to be able to work for you, it's really wild. Like, you know what I mean? Because a lot of us who like, quit that job. Like, <laughs> like, that, like, you know what I mean? Like, who cares? You don't need to work these hours. Like, we say it all the time. Like, do the minimum. But like, the, <laughs> you know, like, I be reading up like, don't do the minimum, please. Not for me. <laughs> um, but like, honestly, my team right now, like every single person that's a part of our team from Ghana, to Chicago, to New York, like everyone is there for a reason. You know what I mean? And like, they also all know that like their position is literally replaceable. So right. like, but they as a person are not, you know right. what I mean? And like the interactions we have from how people grow or not like the scary things like of coming back and be like, okay, I felt some energy. Like, you know, we're really about the energies and the space. So like, is something going on and having people be able to like just communicate and like talk about how they want to grow together. So, yes. so. what's been the most challenging part about being a founder? <sighs> Unexpectedly challenging. I think it's the balancing of having to have this like business fundraising mindset and then knowing like what I really want to focus on. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I want to focus on strategy. Like, I want to be in Ghana. Like, I want to dip, y'all. Like, I'm not trying to be here. Like, but, but, you know, it's like, I have to go, like, talk to the fundraisers and, like, to our investors and then do this and balance that. And I have to also really, I can't drop at any of those things. Right. You know, because it's like... I read, like, I never finished the book, but I think it's zero to a hundred, zero to one. You should read it. It's great. Uh, <laughs> it's really great. But, um, in the like first chapter that I read, which was amazing, it just, <laughs> it talked about the fact of like the only way your business can fail is like if you suck at it or if you quit. And the one thing about me mm. is like, I like to win. Like, I like to do good. Like, I like to feel good, eat yes. all those things. That's like, who I am as a person. And so if I'm going to run a business and put my money, like I quit a job, like that's crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I'm going to be like, no, this is what I'm about. It has to go hard. So I need to like always prioritize my growth as a person to be able to do those things. It's challenging because I'm like, oh, it's about me as a whole person. It's not really just about this business. It's really about like how I am as a human being. Yes. I love that. So powerful. Now we Oh, oh, okay. Wait, oh, wait, 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 wait. We're not ready for you yet. Oh my gosh, you guys are so pretty. Go, go back, go back. I'm going to introduce you. I'm going to introduce this you properly. Giada is born and raised in Harlem, USA. First generation Senegalese American marketer and over the past decade has worked at huge multi-million dollar brands such as Vibe Magazine, L'Oreal Paris. You know, she used to be at Glossier. And then she said, okay, I need to build my own brand, Amicole, which just turned one, by the way, a better for you brand made to celebrate melanin rich skin. Giada is laser focused on continuing to demystify stereotypes, shatter glass ceilings and redefine the often tainted perception of black beauty. Let's welcome Giada to the stage. It's all good. You know, you know, we're all community here, so we're all good. Yes. Up next, we have Alameda. Now, Alameda is a recent graduate of UCLA, where she was pre-med. So we've been talking a lot about like pivots and changes. So pre-med student, she received a BA in political science with a concentration in race, ethnicity and politics and a minor in entrepreneurship. She is currently the CEO and founder of 
Topicals, which as you all know, is like always sold out at Sephora, just like such a hit brand. Topicals is passionate about transforming the way people feel about their skin through effective products and mental health. Alameda spent two years pitching Topicals to over 100 investors before securing, wait for it, $2.6 million in funding, making her the youngest Black woman to ever raise over $1 million. Yes, we love it. We love it. She's received notable recognition from Harvard Business School, Google, the UCLA Alumni Association, Allure, Teen Vogue, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, on and on. Alameda, welcome to the stage. Now, okay, you all don't know this. I'm about to share some pictures, some posts. Oh, no. That you all have posted recently just to like tap into what's been going on lately. Giada, I'm going to start with you. Talk to us about this photo. (laughs) Talk to you about it? Okay. I mean, I had a baby three months ago. (laughs) Um, So the whole time that you're building Ami Kole, launching it. (laughs) The whole time. I think I got pregnant literally the week I launched. I was like, oh, this is going to be very interesting. Yes. Um, but it was crazy. I mean, you know, like being pregnant is so uh, bizarre, but it's like all the transitions happening at the same time. But I leaned in for the lack of a better word and just let God. <laughs> and here we are. Oh. And so how do you like being a mom? How Like, are you getting sleep? Are you sleep training? Are you nursing? Like, where are you in the journey? Are, how many moms are in the room? Show of hands. Okay. okay, shout out to shout the moms. To y'all. You all know Everyone how hard it is. Told me. Everyone told me. Um, <laughs> I mean, even today, right? Like, even today. Yeah, Alamine saw. So, wig off, boob out. So, let me know if my nipple pads are showing. Um, it's crazy. Right now, I'm in the crazy, like, war zone where, like, baby doesn't sleep. You're just like, you, like, he owns me right now um, in my boobs. So, I don't sleep. <laughs> He's up every two hours around the clock. And then whenever we can, we email and we Zoom and we talk and we text and get it done. But it's also very, it's so painful when how tired you are. Um, <laughs> but uh, very rewarding too. It's like, okay, well, there's a human, there's a reason why there's like, yes. it's a different type of love. I don't know how to explain it. And luckily I have a great partner yes. um, who's been very supportive too. So it's been a different version of life. <laughs> we love least. it. We love it. Now, Ami Kole has such diehard fans. Before, when I was introducing you all, I was saying your three brands have such communities. And I see these really big brands owned by like the big companies. Mm-hmm. You go to their Instagram page, you look at the, it's like four comments. You're like, <laughs> it's crickets. Like the people love Ami Kole. What has it felt like to just feel that love from the community your first year out? It's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. It's so weird. Like how you feel, it's bizarre. But then also like, we started these brands probably because we selfishly wanted them. Yes. And we just wanted to have a solution. And we just like, all right, well, I'm going to do it then, you know? So when you go into a room and people are wearing like lip treatment oil, like I want to go and hide and hug and do all the things because I'm like, wow. But it's like community is a real thing. And you hear a lot of buzzword like, oh, community driven. Da, da, da. But like, it's for real. And yes. we, are, we, we come out, we show out and we love and support each other. So I don't know how to put it in words. Yeah. It's crazy. No, it's been incredible. And just to also just see the naked beauty community support for Ami Kole has been incredible because yeah. we've just heard your story evolve over each episode. I think yeah. you've been on, what, three times on the podcast? You know, let's count. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got the next picture for you. Talk to us about this. Oh, my, oh my God. <laughs> so crazy. 
I was five months pregnant here. <laughs> and I assume I mean, you're wearing a full face of Ami Colette. Definitely wearing a full face, including products coming out soon. <laughs> um, <Ooh. laughs> okay, <but> teaser. <laughs> this was crazy because my mom, who I named the, name, the brand after, she still doesn't believe me. She's like, so you left Laura, you don't have benefits? Like, so like, <laughs> what so are you doing? Like, what are you, like, what are you, like, what is this toy thing that you're doing? So like, to have the New York Times in her shop and to have that, like, to tell her to pose and yes. be in front of a camera. Her, her braiding shop in her Harlem. Her braiding shop in Harlem yes. on 120th Street, where she got her hair done yesterday. Go there, yesterday. <laughs> Three and a yes. half hours done. for these in braids. Out. Three and a half. In and out. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> worth it. <laughs> it was, it's crazy. It's just 360 and I'm trying to lean in and I'm trying to absorb the moment. But like New York Times is a huge thing. And like, you know, my parents don't understand a lot, but they, they understand the New York Times. Right. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> And, listen, like, and, and you just did Wall Street Journal as well. And I that was did. like a big interview. I, it was a huge interview. It was crazy, like dropping off the baby of my mom's. She was frying like plantains and fish. I had to run out the house. Like, I can't go to like, smell like fried fish. So I had to like, <laughs> had to run out there really quickly. But it was very humbling and going right back to 116th Street. But they were like, oh, where are you going? Another interview? I'm like, yeah, just the Wall Street Journal. I'm like, oh, nice, nice. Okay, we'll wait for you. <laughs> okay. So hopefully they're proud, though. <laughs> we love it. Okay. Over to Alameda for a moment. Oh my God. <laughs> now talk to us about this image. <laughs> yeah. So I made the Forbes list last year, which was really wild. So deserved. Not that wild. So deserved. Um, no, I just think it's like a long time coming. I think for me, I've always felt really odd because I had a lot of interests. Like I wanted to do a lot of different things. And so I think a lot of people thought I was disorganized, you know? Mm. And so people thought, I don't know what she's doing. Like all my friends were like, what is she doing? We graduated college 2018. She doesn't have a job. She stays at home all the time. And so I think to then be on the Forbes list, I think it was just, everyone was like, oh, okay, though she, she's actually doing something. Like you're saying, like your parents, <laughs> my, my parents shared it and they were like, yeah, yeah, look at her on the Forbes list. But like <laughs> two years earlier, mom was like, you don't want to just go to the job for a little bit. And just, you, you, don't, you, you don't want to take the, the job. And I was like, mom, no, I have to do this. And so I think it's um, good to be able to show them this because they're they're like, oh, well, we know Forbes, right? right. Also, again, African parents, like we know Forbes. We know that at least. So no, I, I was like super humbled. I think a lot of people I've been seeing on the internet talk about, oh, you got to pay to be on Forbes. I didn't pay anybody. No. And I don't know who's paying. But... <laughs> But um, just to clarify that. Yeah. No, I, I really have been seeing a lot of people talk about that. And like they don't put they don't let us know about that. So like being a black girl making the list is a big deal because you're not in the inner circle that everyone else is in where, OK, like put this name in like, you know, they worked with me for a little bit. Um, yeah. So, so true. Um, but what I'm really excited about is how we get more black women on the Forbes list. Yes. Because there's a lot of women in the community doing things bigger and better than I'm even doing. And they just don't, haven't gotten the credit yet. And so I think what's really exciting is when certain people get on the list, then they use you as the person to get other people on the list. And so I'm going to wow. be vocal and loud. Yes. To be as like, there's other people who should be on this list who have been working really hard for a long time. So important. I love that you're doing that, Alameda. Now, I'm going to share something you tweeted out that we need to talk about. Yeah. Check on your founder friends because most of them are struggling with their mental health under the weight of the pressure to be everything to everyone. You <laughs> tweeted that on the 16th, very recently. Yeah. This is top of mind. I tweeted earlier this week. How many founders or people running their own business do we have in the room by a show of hands? Wow. Wow. Oh Be very proud Shout of yourself because it is not you. easy. 
So this is really interesting because I think we are in a very interesting age in social media. I honestly tweeted this in response to what's going on with Honeypot. Um, It's a tough one. It's really complex, right? I tweeted this because I think that people get support from the community. They get really big and it almost feels like they get out of touch and people then turn them into idols versus into humans. And I think that in the same way that you've made mistakes, people make mistakes, but the pedestal you're put on, it's almost impossible. And I think on my Instagram, I kind of went a little bit deeper into this saying that Black founders, and I would say particularly Black women, struggle a lot as founders because you can't be mean. You can't be like harsh. You can't be anything, right? Like even when you're having direct conversations with people about, you know, whether it's behavior or it's about performance, it's like you have to really try your best and you should be try to build people up, but you can't be a boss because then you're mean as a black woman. And then with your investors, you have to know every number forwards, backwards, upside down, what's going to happen in 30 years, because (laughs) you were the, the, the chance that they took on the black community. You were the one that they were like, oh, well, like we haven't really invested in other people, but like you seem palatable enough. So like, can we get you from here to here? And it's like, if I fail, Will other Black girls get the opportunity to start their own business and get investment? Mm. Um, And I think the last part is this commitment to the community. I think we have never had things before, right? Like, it's really hard for us to have brands that we really love. And I think in some cases, we hold on to those brands so tight that if anything happens with the founder, with the brand, it switches hands, people get really upset. And I said towards the end of that, that we need to have a serious conversation about what it takes to run a business. And I don't think in our community, sometimes we fully understand the inner workings. And so the honeypot situation, it's like people didn't understand anything that was going on and things took off. And it's like, she was getting death threats. Wow. Wow. It's a lot of conversation we have to have. And like, it's not the fault of our community because unfortunately we were never brought into those things, right? Like we weren't able to have businesses. We weren't able to have investors. We weren't able to be acquired or IPO. But now that we're in that conversation, we need to have those conversations with the yes. community. I mean, that's so much of the reason why I love all three of you, because you talk transparently about the journey, right? Like you talk about what it takes every step of the way. This is the last image I have for you, Alameda. You know, I always say you're my favorite Gen Z brand, period. You're my favorite member of Gen Z. And Topicals is so... I think, you know, the way that you brand and do advertising and marketing is so innovative. And I look at all of these brands like the L'Oreal's and the it's dry. It's not interesting. And, you know, I think one of the things that you did was like glamorize hyperpigmentation by calling your audience spotty hotties. Like we've all got a few marks, right? Whether it's acne or hyperpigmentation or spotty hotties. Marketing genius, truly, truly. This Y2K zip up with like the bedazzled topicals, incredible. And just every time I see your market, whether it's a billboard or one of your branded trucks, I'm like, topicals is really doing amazing branding work. Is that something that's been important to you from the beginning? Very, very. It's so funny because I never considered myself a creative. And even to this day, my team's like, stop saying that. But like, I've always been the business girl, right? I have an amazing creative director, Julia Shaw. She's amazing. But I think when I started the brand, I was someone who grew up with a ton of different skin conditions. There's a question we'll get into about product a little bit later, and I'll share everything about that. But I grew up with a lot of ingrown hairs. And so I was always embarrassed of feeling or looking dirty to other people because that area was darker than other people. 
I didn't shop in the typical beauty aisle. I shopped in the ointment aisle. In the ointment aisle, you buy your eczema creams with the foot fungus stuff <laughs> with a unquestionable cream where you're like, just get your stuff and go versus everyone else in the beauty aisle is like fun branding, all that stuff. And so I said, what would it look like to bring all the fun of, you know, the skincare brands to the ointment aisle? Yes. And I think my mom says this thing, it's in the Bible, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so I thought it was super important as we talked about skin conditions because it's chronic, meaning it can't be cured. You're going to live with it forever. We shouldn't talk about these things so negatively because then your whole life is going to be negative. It's associated with this thing that you have forever. Mm. And so that's why we thought about spotty hotties. I'm also such an avid like TV movie junkie. I love pop culture. And so I love bringing specifically black pop culture into spaces they've never been. So Smina was our first ever male model. We launched him at the beginning of this year. There's a launch coming on Tuesday and y'all are not going to guess who it is. Unless you, unless you Google, unless you Google, but Tuesday... Have a new launch. But yeah, no, I think it's like, for me, we always talk about re uh, remixing the smooth with the rough. And I think that Y2K was my favorite period ever because I grew up in it. But in Y2K, you had to be skinny. Wait, sorry, let me stop you there. You said you grew up in it. What year were you born? <laughs> I was born in 96. Okay. I was born in 96. Okay. You, you, so I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm 25 now. I'm 25 now. Okay. You kind of grew up in it. We'll give you that. We'll give you that. But I think Y2K to me was so much fun. My favorite movie is She's the Man. I love that movie so much. And so I always wondered what would Y2K look like if it was more black, if it was more inclusive, if it was more real. And I think that's what Topicals is. It's the expression of like what I wish Y2K was. Because for us, when you think about all the Y2K movies, how many black girls do you see in those movies? Barely any. So. A sidekick. A sidekick. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Now, Abna, we already talked about the work you're doing in Ghana. Now, I pulled one more picture, and I'm going to tell you why I pulled it. You are always the happiest. Yes. No, really. Really. You are always dancing, joking, smiling, laughing, while also getting all of your business done. And I just want to know, how do you maintain your extremely high levels of like positive, good energy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Honestly, wow, that's such a funny picture. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I mean, you can feel, don't, can yeah, you guys feel no, the joy in I feel like for me, like I'm just, I have a lot of gratitude. I also smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> like it's just like a combination <laughs> of like taking care of myself. Like, I feel like as a kid, like, I always had this, like, when you talk about, like, beauty and all those things, I always talk about confusion because I was around, like, my mom who was so confident. So, like, in the outside world, like, as a kid, like, I'm like, oh, my God, yes, I look good. And then, like, someone's like, ah, dark skin. Like, you know, those types of things. So, I, there was, like, confusion. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like now as an adult, like, I'm just, like, there's really no confusion. You might as well just enjoy. Like, I just think, like, the whole thing, like, literally finding moments of joy daily. Like, how yes. can you do it? Because... There's so much going on. We all are living our like regular lives and then also building a business. And I feel like the one thing that's consistent about building a business is the inconsistencies of it. There's so many up and downs. Like there's only so much you have control of, but there's also so much you have control of too. Yes. So I think you just have to like enjoy. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like I have to, like, if I'm not, I'm going to be mopey and sad and like, you know, so. Yes. No, That's that it. positivity is so important. Now, I'm going to do lightning round before we finish up. Then I'll go to Q&A. So get your questions ready. We're going to have time for two questions. But before I do that, I just have to say, this, this was not enough time. But you all know they have each of them 
have at least one episode that's like an hour plus where you can get into the full story. So please, please go and listen to their episodes if you haven't yet. So this is now the lightning round. Abhinay, you've answered the first question. I'm going to ask Giada and Alamade, what has been the best part of being a founder, the most enjoyable part, and what's been the most challenging? Okay. I must say first that Evan's cheekbones right now are popping. <laughs> I mean, like, thank you. Is it, I, was, I knew yeah. it was Ami Carly. I didn't want to, that was not paid. It wasn't, I just knew it was, but okay. Um, all right. So the most rewarding thing is uh, learning a lot about myself, like living out loud, you know, like uh, it's very scary to follow your dreams and you kind of, it's 50, 50 chance you're going to fail. What's going to happen? You know what I mean? So the fact that I actually took that step, I'm very proud of. The most challenging actually is hiring and firing people. It's very yes. difficult. Um, the conversation, especially if you're not a confrontational person, but it's very difficult as a business owner. Yes. Alamade, what about you? Most enjoyable and hardest part? The most enjoyable is when people stop me and say like, oh, I love topicals or I use topicals. I'm like, who paid you? <laughs> Because it's just so surreal for something that was in your head to now be a reality and for people to share in it and enjoy it. I think that's such a out-of-body experience. I think the hardest part is taking care of myself. I'm not going to lie. I don't do that great of a job with my mental health. And that's why I'm so vocal about it, right? It's like, it's just really hard. Like, you're just expected to be everything to everyone. And if you mess up, if you say the wrong thing, if your tone is off one day because you didn't sleep, it's just everything is on you. But I lean in community and I lean in the fact that People know my intentions, right? They know my heart and they know when people see that I'm struggling, so many women in this room on this stage have reached out to me to be like, hey, I just want to send you love today. It seems like today's a tough day. Or I was just thinking about you. And I think that community means more to me than even buying product because I think checking in on your strong friends is a real thing, like checking on them. Yes, that's beautiful. Last three lightning round questions. I want each of you to tell me your favorite product that you've developed to date. And like why you love it, what it does for people. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I go first. Yeah. I love high roller, y'all. I talk about the ingrown hairs. I am someone, I'm Nigerian, so I'm very hairy. And I used to shave, you know. You know, we, come we, have, we, have, two, we have two women here that came from Nigeria. Hey, hey. Um, I appreciate y'all so much. Um, but I grew up super hairy. And so I wanted to shave. I wanted to be like all the other girls. And so I have a lot of ingrown hairs and dark spots. And so High Roller was the product I've always wanted to create. And I'm so excited because it's so great. It's like in it a week, a you'll see. Thank you. In a week, you'll see results. Wait, so earlier you said we could Google to find out who your new... Br- Can you just tell us? <laughs> I mean, we're here okay. we're on stage. Okay, y'all are here. So we're launching a product called Slather on... Tuesday. Okay. It is an exfoliating body moisture, uh, body serum. It has retinol, urea, glycolic, lactic, and squalane. Oh, I'm getting yes. all together. And the star of the campaign, should I say it? Yes. Drum roll. Baby Fat Muse, Mingli Simmons. Yes. Yes. Iconic. So, so excited about that. Such, such great. Like, it was great working with her. So, yeah, Ming Lee will be the star of the campaign. So Yes, we love it. Okay, okay. favorite um, product and why you love it. They like oil babies, but lip treatment oil. Yes, Duh. that's my favorite too. <laughs> yeah, I love her. She's that girl. <laughs> Abna? I would say the shea butters for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we're putting, we just said minis now, so it's about to be launching soon. You guys get some. You guys all get a mini. Yeah. I'm obsessed with the minis because I travel with them. Yes, because that was my thing. Like, yes. them taking my shea butter. Oh. <laughs> Oh, at, at the airport? Uh, yeah, so or at it. the airport and y'all telling us all the time. So it's coming. It's coming. Yes. 
Okay. I need to know one piece of advice for anyone who wants to make a dream in their head a reality. Quick piece of advice. Mm-hmm. I can start because I'm always reminded this as well. Just literally it's one step at a time will take you further in your journey than you expect. So if it's like one email, one move board, like do not beat yourself up that you didn't start an empire in a day. It takes time and that's okay. So I think just moving forward versus being stuck in like, what is it? Paralysis. Paralysis by, yeah, yeah yep, all of that. Right, right. Yeah. So just move forward and literally do one thing at a time. Great. What about you too? I think surrounding, well, one, knowing that you can do your best, like each day looks different and just being able to like actually reflect on it for what you want to do. Like each day looks different and just moving in a space of reflection. I think like it's just important because you can always see your growth. And I think sometimes we're like doubting ourselves so much, but just being able to reflect and know like it can look different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say really understand your unique why. I think so many times everyone wants to start a brand because it's the cool thing to do. But like, why did God make you start a brand? Like, why was that idea placed on your mind, your heart, whatever it is? And really go deep into understanding that because when you understand that, you can build your whole brand from that. You don't have to like, I mean, you'll get inspo from different people and places, but you'll know exactly why your brand stands differently than everyone else's. Yes. This is a tougher question that I'm going to ask you all. One thing you want to see change in the beauty industry today? More access to capital for brands. Like, I just think it shouldn't be that difficult to, like, get money when people are getting money off of ideas. Like, there's so much work that has been going on with a lot of beauty brands, like, not just us. Like, I feel like we have a lot of privileges of being able to get these opportunities, but there just should be more access to it. There's always this, the space is so small and it's like, there's a thousand million shampoos. There's a thousand million, like so many different things. So like just more access to capital. I think more like brown, black and brown faces and executive teams. Like y'all don't get it. It's fine. (laughs) So if you empower people that do get it, like you get more money. So like the math is not mathing. So I'm trying to understand like how we can make a math. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Alamide, what about you? I want to see more storytelling. I want to see stories that don't always make the front cover of Vogue. Like I want to see those kind of stories get told for people to be more creative. I feel like nowadays it's just like, okay, a, a product. It's not about yes. product. It's about that story or that vibe that you've never seen before yes. actually get to the forefront. So I'd love to see more different cultures, different lifestyles be shown through beauty. That's so important. We're going to open it up to Q&A now. Well, we have time for two questions. Okay, I see Mandy. Mandy's a, another podcaster, yes, fabulous podcast. She has an incredible podcast called Horrible Decisions. And see, the thing is... And Mandy, over yes. to you for your question. So it was something that Topicals brought up. Alamade. Alamade. I didn't want to make it wrong. I no, mean, no, it's I, okay. It's I mean, okay. fucking up shit all the time. No, it's, <laughs> there's so, so many different pronunciations so, out there at this so point. So my question has to do with Community versus capitalism, right? So you brought up Honeypot and what was going on with them. And I created a company, Official Box Owner, specifically to sell. And so as when black, you say sell, though, I'm building this to sell it to someone to acquire it to acquire, and make okay. all the money. Wonderful. Right? And so that's what Silicon Valley is. That's what all of these white people Sil- and Silicon tech people Valley. Do. Like, can we just start using that? Because I really like it. <laughs> period. Period. But we're now in that space that we haven't been. Right. And however, it seems like we're going against our community to want to capitalize off of our ideas and our products. So I say that to ask in terms of what you guys have created. Is there a way to sell it or go beyond what you guys envisioned it without feeling like sellouts? 
That's, that's a, a great question. Great question. Great that's question. a great question. Like, I want to. I want to get the second question so we can we yeah, can yeah. we can answer them both together. Does okay. anyone have one more question? Okay, Elijah. I see someone over here has a question. We'll answer them both together. Hi, everyone. Hi. Uh, my name is Shavu. I'm visiting from Nigeria. I just flew in this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really lovely that there's so many founders in the room. I'm the founder of a beauty retail company in Africa, based primarily in Nigeria and opening up in Ghana soon. Amazing. Um, but my question is, my biggest problem being a founder has been imposter syndrome. Also, also being in Africa is a problem mm. in itself. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a great place, but there's so many barriers. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask to any of you how you deal with imposter syndrome. Because I feel like everyone says things but in terms of like realizing that because I feel like it's an everyday battle yes and how you deal with that great so the two questions to recap building a product to eventually sell it and be seeing as a sellout because you're doing that and dealing with imposter syndrome so that first question is extremely (laughs) complex extremely complex but no there are people who are working and when I say working I can't say all of what's going on but just know that people are taking note of the fact that it generally is black companies selling to white companies. And I think what we all forget is that black companies still exist within capitalism, like you mentioned, right? And so access to capital to even start is really hard. So when we think about this idea that I've seen floating around the internet, which is like, why aren't black owned companies acquiring other black owned companies? Who got the cash, babes? (laughs) (laughs) But just know that like people are working, like people are noticing this, people are seeing we need a new generation of what it looks like to be black owned, but bear with them as they do it because they're going to be pioneers. And so it's not always going to be super cut, super dry. But I think as it relates to me, I am holding my sister, founder friends, and we're having these conversations. We're asking ourselves, so like, what does happen when I decide that I'm tired? Like her baby gets to be three years old and she's like, okay, bro, I'm tired. And like, I need to, because people don't understand too, like founders don't really pay themselves. Like you can see a brand popping and stuff. And even when it's like, oh, they're making a million, two million. Everyone's like, oh, well, you should be paying yourself. Well, we need to hire another person so that we hit this goal. So I rather cut back on whatever my salary is going to be. And so you can be paper rich is what we call it in the, in the industry. Paper rich on, on paper, your company's valued at whatever you own this percentage of it. And it's great. That is not liquid cash. I can't go to the bank and go buy a house with that. And so I think, again, it's this idea of having constant conversation with a community about, I don't know if I'm going to start this because I feel like I can keep starting stuff. But the cost of doing business is this idea that I keep this phrase keeps coming back in my mind. And it's just like, how do we have open conversations about the cost of doing business, particularly as it affects so cultural important. communities? So we'll be having conversations. I would love if anyone is interested in something like yes. that to come like find come find me, answer. come talk yes. to me. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know if y'all have things to yeah. say to you. But it's well, I want to touch on the imposter syndrome. I could literally talk to you all. All day. Uh, literally. <laughs> but I do want to touch on this because I think whether you work in corporate, no matter what you do, yeah, people you still struggle with imposter it, syndrome. Yeah. So how do you overcome that? I always think when I'm doubting myself, I'm doubting God. I feel like I woke mm. up. There's a certain reason why I happen to be in this building at this space at this time with this idea. Like you're in a room and you're the person with the idea. So I feel like if I'm not leaning into that or tapping into that, I'm disrespecting God in my faith. So I just stand in it. And then whatever comes my way is supposed to happen as well. But me, like, standing in that light helps me understand, like, that imposter. That's the devil speaking, girl. That's none of your business. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think, no, everything. I agree all. But I would say, I'm like, there's this quote from David Kumran. He said, reframe moments of doubts as a moment of pause. And I think that's around how I think of imposter syndrome. Like, these are just thoughts that are happening. 
be able to like think about the, like what are those thoughts? It's just yes. like pausing it instead of feeling like it's a down and like really taking that out of our vocab around like it's an imposter because you're here. Yes. Like you're a new level. That's why it's just every time imposter syndrome shows up, it's just when you're going at a different level that you haven't been before. Yes. So. Yes. Give a hand to these incredible women that have been on stage. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.